A couple of weeks ago, I was at Canadian Tire. Uh, they were doing a little bit of work on my car. And I kind of thought this would be a great opportunity while they're doing the work. I would use my iPad in the waiting room and I would do a little bit of work there myself. Uh, and so I'm in the waiting room of, of Canadian Tire, just outside the, the service center, and they've got their television on. And for some strange reason, this television was playing the daytime shopping channel. Now, I, I don't really understand why, I just, this, I'm, I was confused by that. Uh, but there's this constant bombardment of things that I didn't realize I desperately need. I mean, because up until now, I have been just, you know, using terrible pots and pans at home. And I need these ones that seem like they were, you know, cast in the sun itself and nothing sticks to them. Uh, and so I'm kind of find myself getting absorbed into this advert and looking at these products. I'm like, wow, you know, I, I, these things are amazing. And, and of course, they're kind of leading you on with all the things you can do with this and how amazing your food's going to turn out with these pots and pans. And then eventually they, they try, you know, because you know at some point what's the price that you want me because I feel like you want way too much. And, and then, of course, they make the promise that, oh, no, no, this is really cheap. You know, it's just five simple payments of $49.99. And you kind of like start doing the math. Going, That's 250 bucks. And they know you're thinking that. Because what do they say at that point in the advertisement? But wait. <laughs> I heard that. But wait. There's more. And there was more. They had a whole bunch of things. And by the end of the advert, I very nearly took out my phone and my credit card. And then I would have had to explain to Cindy why we needed these pots and pans. But, but you know why they do that little thing of, but wait, there is more? It's because you and I are wired to want more. We want more. We're never satisfied with what we have and even if we go shopping and we're looking for deals, we want more. We want something to sweeten that deal. Now, if you will kind of stick with me for a moment, and hopefully this isn't heresy, but I think we want more because that's the way God has wired us. I think God has wired us to desire more. The problem is, we try to replace the more, we try to fill the more with all these things of earth. We think that if we have more money, if we have more possessions, if we have more success, more power, more celebrity, more fame, more likes on Instagram, more whatevers, well then we'll be satisfied. And we're never satisfied. And I think we're never satisfied because we're desired to want more of God. And the reason we're wired that way is because there is always more of God. You and I, this side of the grave will never exhaust everything there is to know about God, to enjoy about God, to experience of God. We're wired for more and God longs to give us more. And so even as I mentioned last week, as we begin this series called Seeking Revival, really the title is simply, There is More. It's that challenge to each and every one of us that there's always more of God for us. And that we get to know God, we get to experience God, we get to be with God. And that's, that's the hope, that's the prayer. Not that we would become 
you know, some, some like over-emotional group that are, that are bouncing around the sanctuary. I know some of you are worried that if we have this revival, this breakout, you might like want to lift your hands in worship. Yeah, that's not revival. I mean, that would be cool, make no mistake, but that's not revival. Revival is coming to that place of saying, there is more of God, and I will pursue God, and I will hunger after God, and I will thirst after God, and I will go to where God draws me into There is more, and God wants to fill that. So over the next couple of weeks, as we look at this, there is more. uh, One of the topics that we're going to address is this whole idea of worship. What does it mean to worship? How do we put God first? How do we worship God? You know, somebody once anonymously said, God is either Lord of all, or He is not Lord at all. He is either Lord of all, or He is not Lord at all. And as we come into this place of worship, it is acknowledging that indeed Jesus Christ is Lord. And we won't simply sing it, we will live it. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read a couple of verses from verse 25. If you don't have your Bibles on a phone or paper, it will be on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 6. And reading from verse 25 to the end of the chapter. Therefore, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, when I, when I read that, I'm reminded of uh, this, the talk that Louis Giglio did many, many years ago. And he spoke about this idea of worship. And what Louis did was he reminded us that we are all worshipers. Every single person is a worshiper. We're made to worship. And so we will worship. Now, we might not all worship God. In fact, it's very clear we do not all worship God. But we all worship something or someone. You can see it when you go to a sports arena. Or or perhaps when you go to a concert stadium, and there are thousands, sometimes thousands upon thousands of people 
all cheering, all worshipping what's taking place. You don't have to, to go that far as well. You, you can have a look just around our neighborhoods and see how people worship, right down to how they worship their things, their possessions. And those things demand sacrifice. And so people give or people get into debt just to have because they're trying to fill that need. Sometimes humans and, and we individuals hide. We hide our worship because it's an addiction. It's, it's something secret, and it still demands our time. It demands our money. It demands sacrifice, and we worship, and we give to that. You and I are made to worship, and we will worship regardless. You know, that word worship, I know many of you already know this. It, it's derived from the old English word worth-ship, with a th in the middle there. Worth-ship. And it's about giving worth to something. When I see something that in my life has worth, it has value. And so I, I give effort and energy and, and my focus and my attention goes towards that. That's what worship is. I'm ascribing worth. I'm ascribing value. And because I ascribe worth and I ascribe value, I will sacrifice. I will, I will give in order to get. So we don't all worship God but we do all worship. Of course, the invitation is always to come back to God, to put God first, to worship God as indeed God. In fact, this, this idea of worship, this idea of glory, that was what Louis Giglio kept trying to drum out, drum into us, was that God is just infinitely glorious. God is holy. God displays His majesty. We see it even in the created realm as we, we think about stars and just the galaxies and the space and, and the vastness of this. And God created that with his breath. And so there's this magnificence, there's this glory. That's why the reformers cried, Solideo Gloria. To God alone be the only glory. We should be worshiping indeed, amen, we should be worshiping God. And so Jesus then comes along and he says, seek first the kingdom. He knows that we're all stressed about where our next meal is going to come from. He knows we worry about how we're going to clothe ourselves, how we're going to provide for our families, how we're going to live. God knows this. And Jesus says, God knows and God will provide. This is why seeking the kingdom becomes the primary focus. Seek the kingdom. Don't focus on pleasure and possessions. God will sort that out. So how then do we seek the kingdom first? Today I want to get pretty practical. And I want to lay out a challenge of three practical challenges of how we worship God and how we put God first. Three practical challenges. And the first one is we worship God or we put God first with our time. We put God first with our time. And we're all, we're all focused on time. We're all worried about time. We're all worried about our lives. James writes about this in James chapter 4, verse 14, when he's talking about those who say, well, today I'm going to do this, tomorrow I'm going to do that, and the next week I'm going to do the following. And James says in chapter 4, verse 14, he says, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Now, you might have plans for tomorrow. But you have no idea what will happen tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. 
And the, and the, the fact is, the overwhelming majority of us, we're so focused on our tomorrows that all our time, all our energy goes into that. And so it becomes about, well, if I can make a little bit more wealth, if I can have a little bit more stuff, if I can have a little bit more comfort or safety or security. And so my time goes into that. And we forget what Paul says to us. The Apostle Paul reminds us our lives are not our own. We're bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so if my life is not my own, well, then surely it means my time is not my own. And God calls me to worship him with my time. In fact, that James chapter 4, verse 14, uh, where James says, what is your life? You, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. He closes that sentence off by saying, your life is a mist. It's a vapor. It's here for a brief moment, and the next it's gone. And we think we're going to last forever. No. And so we need to learn to worship God with our time. We need to learn to worship God by putting Him first in our time. And of course, the Bible spells out a whole bunch of ways we do that. Yes, it's about going to the other. It's, it's visiting the sick. It's caring for the orphan. It's, it's caring for the widow or whoever. It's caring for those in need. And that takes time. And that takes sacrifice. It's comforting a lonely friend. You know, there are times, obviously, we, we would far rather just flip on the TV, watch sports, maybe pull out the phone and, I don't know, play Candy Crush if that's still a thing. And we, we use our time for ourselves and God says there's so much else. Serve me with your time. Worship me with your time. And you do that by lending a helping hand, by giving, by sharing. We need to give God control of our time as we come to Him, reading His Word, praying, gathering together like this, by working for the, the furtherance of His kingdom. These are the things that are important. You know, I, I'm suddenly reminded of that old hymn, and that old hymn uh, that had a line in it that said, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And God invites us to worship and to experience more of Him and to know more of Him. How do we do that? When we worship Him with our time. When we give Him our time. I challenge you to put God first with your time. But I don't only challenge you to put God first with your time. I challenge you as well to put God first with your talents. Put God first with your talents. And so often we fail to do that. We have these abilities. We have these skills. We have these talents. We have these things that God has entrusted to us. And we think they're simply for ourselves. And God says, no. What I've given you, the way I've wired you, that talent, that gift, that treasure is to be shared. And we don't want to share it. You know, I, I love the, the way um, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians talks about the church, the community of believers. Uh, and he talks about the church as the body of Christ, with Christ as the head. Now, this is where, the, where one of the Baptist beliefs of the direct lordship of Christ comes in. We don't need a mediator between us and Christ. We don't need a person. You have direct access to Jesus Christ. 
You don't come through me or through any pastor or through any priest or whatever. So we have this direct lordship. But just as we individually do, so do we as a body. And this is the beauty of this illustration and this image is together we're a body. Jesus is the head. But the problem is we look around the body and we compare ourselves with other body parts. You know, we, we look at whoever's leading worship, whether it's Carl this morning on the guitar or Peter last week, and we go, I, I could never do that like that. I'm no good. We look around the congregation and, and we see Liz. I think we should call Liz super grand. You know, the way she just lights up in, in a room and, and lights a room up. And the joy she has as she works with children. And we look at that and we go, I hate kids. I couldn't be like that. We get invited to pray somewhere and, and we sit next to Doreen and Doreen starts praying and, and, and she's just communicating with Jesus and we go, I can't pray like that. And so we look at all these different body parts and we compare ourselves and, and we think of this an illustration of the body and we go, well, I'm not a muscle, I'm not a vital organ, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm a spleen. I don't even know what a spleen does. Well, actually, I kind of do, because I read up about it. Do you know your body can exist without a spleen? But it's not ideal. The spleen is part of the system. Now, bear in mind, I'm a pastor and not a doctor, so please give me some grace. But the spleen is part of that system that helps fight off the, the microbiotic kind of germs, viruses, bugs, those kind of things. And so it's pretty handy to have a spleen, because if you don't have a spleen, you become immunocompromised and you're open and susceptible to illnesses. And that's as far as I'm going with the description. So if I had the option of spleen or no spleen, I'm picking spleen every single time. So if you're a spleen, we need you. And Jesus says, this is how you seek the kingdom of God. You serve with your talents. You worship with your talents. Don't compare with others. In fact, all Jesus requires, all Jesus asks from us is for us to simply say, here I am, Lord, use me. I don't know how you will use me. I don't know where you will use me, but here I am. And it might be that he uses you in an almost invisible way. But we will never know the true impact until we get to glory. We'll never fully understand what God did through us. My brothers and sisters, worship God. Put God first, not only with your time, but also with your talents. Not only do we put God first with our time and put God first with our talents, the third challenge I want to challenge you with this morning is to put God first with your treasure. Put God first with your treasures. You know, Jesus speaking to his disciples and speaking to the crowds in Luke chapter 12 he says to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. You know, uh, that wealthy billionaire Rockefeller was once asked, how much is enough? And his answer was just a little bit more. And that's the danger with our possessions and our treasures. They consume us. We become so focused on them that we think we need just a little bit more. I don't yet have enough to give. 
And so I just need a little bit more. And Jesus invites us to trust him. And God says, worship me with your treasures. In today's society, that love of possessions has captured the hearts of millions of people. And we see people selling their souls all the time for wealth and for treasure. And maybe this is why Jesus so often preached and taught about the danger of treasure, the danger of money, the danger of the love of money. And Jesus taught us to, to be generous. And so when, when we speak about giving to the church, it's, it's not just about giving to the church. When we read scripture, it's about learning to be generous and realizing that, that when we come and we give, we're saying to God, this that you've given me, I'm entrusting back to you. I won't be consumed by it. And it doesn't have to just be giving to the church in case you think all I want, all the church wants is your money. No. Scripture calls us to be generous to other people, to give to those in need, to share what we have. And it's not always just about money. It's making a meal. It's being generous with what we have, being able to make and provide and to give to those who are in need. In fact, the, the passage I read this morning from Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 onwards, the portion before that is where Jesus talks about treasures. And he talks about laying up treasure in heaven, uh, sorry, in heaven, not here on earth. But we get so focused on what we have here. And Jesus says, don't store up here. Store up in heaven. The, the standing joke in our family is every now and then Cindy will do something and, and I will make that comment. You know, I wish I could pay you, but you're, you're building a bigger mansion in heaven. And the best I can hope to be is just your pool boy in the mansion. Lay up treasures in heaven, not on earth. Worship God by putting God first. How do I experience the more of God? How do I journey into that place of more of God? Because there is so much more. I give God my time. I give God my talents. And I give God my treasures. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. Johnny Cash wrote a song many years ago called The Wanderer. And there's a haunting line in the middle of that song where Johnny Cash says, they say they want the kingdom, but they don't want God in it. My brothers and sisters, when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, I want to remind you, you cannot seek the kingdom without seeking the king. Come and worship the king of the kingdom. Why? Because that's where we find and discover life. We cannot seek the kingdom without seeking the king. And that's the invitation. And so I know that as we talk about seeking revival, and maybe there's, there's a little fear and trepidation of what does that mean? What is that going to lead to? My brothers and sisters, all it is is an invitation to seek the king. And to let the king do what the king will do. Because I guarantee you, we will all be blown away. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you taught us, you invited us to seek your kingdom. Because as we seek your kingdom, those other cares and concerns 
they'll be taken care of. Jesus, I know that for, for myself and for many of us, there is a, a sense of, of trepidation. We know that it won't be comfortable putting you first. It won't be easy, so to speak. But Jesus, I know beyond anything that it will be worth it. That the, the blessing, the joy, the dare I say rewards, whatever the case might be, the experience of it will far surpass anything we can imagine. And so God, I pray this morning, as we've heard your word to put you and to seek your kingdom first, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in us and that indeed we would seek your kingdom. And as we do that, we would meet the king. God, help us to worship you with our time, our talents, our treasures, to be reminded that whatever is in our hand, whether it is time, whether it is talent, whether it is treasure, you've put that in our hand. And now you invite us to give it back to you and to trust you with it. Oh God, be glorified in this place as we worship you alone.